Thank you, Brother Ron. That's a blessing. Amen. Let's stand or take our Bibles, please, this morning. Mark chapter 9. And uh, if you're going there, we encourage you to be back this evening for the evening service. And we normally have a good crowd there on Sunday nights and hope you'll be here this evening for just a great service. Mark chapter 9, we're running a little bit behind this morning, so I'll try to do my best to kind of move us through things so we can get you out here at a decent time. Mark chapter 9, if your neighbor next to you doesn't have a Bible, would you share your Bible with them and help them to find their place? And uh, we're looking at a story this morning, a true story about a father, a father who had a great need, and the Lord Jesus Christ met him at his point of need. Verse 17, if you would please, Mark chapter 9 and verse 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. And they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked the father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? In other words, he said, how long has your son been like this? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus saith unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, and he said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and saith unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. I'll call your attention this morning to verse 22. You know, when you're in trouble, you don't have the answers, not sure what to do. The simplicity of how we must come to God is summed up in two words. Help me. And that's what this father said. He said, help us. I need your help, Jesus. My son needs your help. I'm reminded this morning of a story about three boys on the playground. They were playing and they got to a place where they started bragging about their dads. And, you know, they just and every son should be proud of his dad. Amen. Every 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 son should be proud of his dad and have something to say about his dad. And they started bragging. And you know how little boys are. They like to brag that, you know, my dad's better than your dad, that type of thing there. And and one boy, the first boy said, well, my dad scribbles a few words. He calls it a song and they pay him 50 bucks. The second son says, oh, yeah, well, my dad, he writes a few words. He scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a poem. And they call it and he collects a hundred bucks. And third boy, so I top all you guys. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, several pieces of paper. He calls it a sermon. It takes eight men to collect the money. And uh, I'm reminded this morning that as we try to brag about our dads today, we want to look at a dad today that we can look at, that we can say this man discovered the greatest secret in life. He discovered that God could be there to help him. That's what our prayer this morning, that you and I will find, discover what this father discovered. Now, Father, bless the word. Thank you today for Brother Hamilton and Mrs. Hamilton, the Morgans, and being part of our special music today. May you bless the service. Use it for your glory. Speak to dads. We pray that your word will do more than pierce us. We pray that your word would convict us, and we pray the Spirit of God would prompt us and move us today to your glory and praise. Bless the service we now ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we're studying about a father. He had a problem that no one could solve. Medical science could not solve it. Psychologists could not solve it. And let, me, let me just insert some for all the families here this morning. 
your child has a maybe a difficulty, maybe they might say they're in depression, they have an emotional disturbance. And if the schools get involved or medical science gets involved, they're going to say, well, we're going to refer you to a psychologist or psychiatrist. And if you're a psychologist or psychiatrist here this morning, I'm not what I'm going to say. I don't mean to say it's to offend you, but please listen very carefully. I've been around this a little bit here. Psychologists, psychiatrists don't have answers. When they get to the end of themselves, they don't know what to do. You know what their answer is? You need to take this medication. And they want to get you on depression medication because they don't have the answers. And I remind you this morning, before you go down that route, you might want to take a few minutes to study this passage of Scripture this morning to realize beyond what human help can't give you, God is there to help you. God will never forsake you. This morning as we look at this father, we see a father who had a need and no one was there to help him. This morning we're going to study about faith. And you know, every single time we open the Scriptures, we study about faith. Why? Because we need to increase our faith. We need to, we need to, the Lord to augment our faith and increase our faith and help us in our faith. This morning we're going to see how faith and prayer together are important. We started a series last Sunday on prayer and we're going to kind of weave our way into that this morning a little bit today about prayer and continue on for a few more weeks as we talk about prayers. We see a father who is transparent. Fathers like to be tough guys. Fathers like to show their sons and their daughters that they're brave and they've got some bravado in them and they've got some courage. But I'll be honest with you, a real dad, when he's in trouble, sometimes he has tears and he has to weep a little bit. And we see a father who's transparent. He has some tears and he weeps about his son. And he says, he says to Jesus, Jesus, help us. This morning, we're going to see a father. The two most important words he came to the conclusion. He went from help me to saying, I believe. And maybe this morning, as we saw it, another father earlier this year that, that we studied about, maybe some of us need to get to the place where we need the Lord Jesus Christ to challenge our faith, where we step out of our, our shadow and step out of our comfort zone and we approach the Lord and say, I believe. This morning, I want you to come with me as we study about a father today who had a great need and the Lord Jesus Christ met him at his need. Notice, first of all, this morning as we study the scriptures, verses 14 to 18, we see a father who is distressed, a distressed father. Notice verse 14, what happens here. Leading up to this passage of Scripture, Jesus has been up on a mountaintop with Peter, James, and John. Many of you are familiar with this passage. It deals with what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. It was when Jesus took three of his closest disciples up to a mountain. Luke tells us he took them there to pray. And he just wanted to spend some time discipling them. And just pouring his life into these three men. And they had a great, you know, they saw the Lord transfigure. The word transfigure is where we get our word metamorphosis from. Metamorphosis is, if you've ever watched a caterpillar weave a cocoon and then come out of the cocoon, cocoon is no longer a, a, a caterpillar. It comes out as a butterfly, very beautiful uh, insect there. And it has the same idea that it was a transformation. Jesus revealed his heavenly glory to those three men while he was there. Well, they had some time up there. Jesus had to use as a moment of mentoring and discipling. They were coming down the mountain. Now, remember, three of them are up on the mountain with Jesus. The other nine were told to stay down in town and they were to keep things going if i could say this they were to continue to keep shop going for jesus and so these nine were still down there and as jesus comes down the whole multitude of people around these nine disciples and the scribes were there who were the uh religious students if you would and and the men who were familiar with the scriptures and they were questioning the disciples and so there's just there's you can hear this loud noise and a large assembly of people and as jesus is making his way someone spied the fact that jesus had come down from the mountain with the three and they said, well, let's let's go ask Jesus what's going on here. Let's see if Jesus has an answer there. So the multitude, if you get to verse 14, there's a multitude of people that run to Jesus. Notice what it says there. He, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. Now, Jesus, remember, is omniscient. He knows everything. But he's kind of working through things. And he said, what are you asking these disciples? Because he could tell the disciples were literally their back were against the wall and they were being asked some hard questions and quite honestly they didn't know how to answer what was being asked of them and so jesus said to these scribes what are you asking them and the multitude had run to jesus because they said well he's the messiah he's the master he knows and the man who's the subject of our story the father he's at the forefront of this multitude if you notice here verse 5, verse 6 uh, verse 17 and one of the multitude answered and said master i have brought unto thee my son which has a dumb spirit. 
the focal point now moves from the disciples and from their the nine, their inability to help this man. And it focuses back on the father with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we think about a distressed father, I'm reminded this morning as a as our basics, a father's business. When we look at today, we must go back to the biblical definition, the biblical idea of a father. Let me read some scriptures to you this morning, if I can, for just a minute. Proverbs 17, 6 says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, despise not thy mother when she is old. Now, God's design, he made men to be fathers. He made men to be the spiritual leaders of their home. Now, I know we have a a lot of different men here today. We have men who are very quiet behind the scenes. Men, thank God for you. We have some men who are very quiet. They work well with their hands. They're not men who like to speak. They're not men who like to be in the limelight of things. And then we have other men who basically, based on their personality, they're probably like me, probably very type A, and they're just like like doing things and greeting people, like being around people. We have some men who like being among crowds of people. We have different groups of men there. And I realize we have shy men and who are introverted, and we have men who are very uh, vociferous and very extroverted. Oh, we have all kinds of men. But I want to say this this morning. Every man who's a father or father-to-be, the moment you enter that stage of life, God's will is that you are the spiritual leader of your home. You're to lead your family. You're to be the spiritual guide. You're to be literally the priest of the home. You're to take the initiative in prayer. You're to lead the Bible in your family in Bible reading. You're to be to, to be able to give an answer. The Bible makes it so clear. It reminds us that when women in the church have a question about something and maybe something was preached by the preacher, the preacher couldn't answered uh, maybe completely in the sermon that they could be able to go home and confidently ask their husband what did pastor mean by that what did the preacher mean by that and a husband should be in a capacity that he's able to answer there and say well i don't have the answer but i'm going to ask the pastor and he can help me with that men are called of god to be the spiritual leaders of the home a father is to be the enforcer of good doctrine solomon said in proverbs chapter 4 my son i give unto thee good doctrine now dads it's good to joke with your kids and it's good to have fun with your kids kids, but there's every now and then our kids know, must know that we, we have established ourselves in our home as a giver of good doctrine. They should know at home that you believe the word of God. They should not have to ask you, daddy, get me to church. They should know you're going to take them to church. They should know that as a dad, your dealings are honest and with integrity. They need to know that truth flows out of your life and not falsely. They need to know that you're not a rebel rouser, but that you're a man of truth, hating covetousness. I'm just saying this morning, we see a father's business. The Bible says about Abraham, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. Joshua was a man, 110 years of age. And this is what he said, the conclusion of his life as a father, as a general over all of Israel, as the leader of that place. He spoke to men on those final days of his life. And Joshua said this, but as for me and my house will serve the Lord. I believe this morning we need a generation of men beginning here at Heritage Baptist Church that will say, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. Men, would you say that with me this morning? But as for me and my house will serve the Lord. I can't hear you this morning. I'm getting old. Say it with me, man. As for me and my house will serve the Lord. Do you believe that? I mean, that's what we should be. I mean, as men, we need to decide our wives are not going to run the home. As a man, your wife expects you to run the home. Be the leader of your home. Lead the way. Set the way. Some of you young men will one day get married. You single unmarried men will get married. You need to be the leader of the home. You need to set the tone. You need to you set the spiritual temperature of your home. Be the leader of the home. Dads, be God's man in the home. Give your chil- children good doctrine. We see the father's business. But notice in our passage this morning, notice we see a father's burden. Now, it was very obvious this man was a father. He had his son there. And I'll be real honest with you. He had a son that didn't look normal. He had a son that seemed just not, not that really did fit in with everybody else there. And, but he had his son there. And it didn't matter to him what other people thought about his son. What really mattered to him is that he loved his son. And really matters to his son that his son loved him. Let me say this morning. Dads and moms, we don't live for the approval of the world. The most important people you better make sure you impress that you have a transparent life with are the children God has given you. It doesn't matter what people think of you and what matters what your children think of you. Do they see a Christian who's transparent, a father who's transparent, a mother that's transparent and living for God. And so this father comes, he's distressed and he's burdened. Notice verse 17. Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. Underline those two words, a dumb spirit. And he says, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. 
I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. This father was burdened. His son, as we'll get into a little bit more later in the message, he was, his, fa- his son was bothered and controlled by demon possession. Now, I don't have time to get into this morning, but I can tell you this. Demon possession is real. Satanic control is real. Satan is a roaring lion walking about seeking who he may devour. He's not, he's not a comic book character that has horns and a tail. He is a real enemy. He is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He's the, he's the God of this world who blinds the, man, the minds of men. Satan is out for one thing, and that is your destruction. Satan is out for one thing, and that is to divide your marriage. Satan's out for one thing, and that's to disrupt your children. By the way, parents, Satan is out for one thing, and that is to take your children from you. He wants to rob you of the joy of being a mother and father. And this dad had a little son. As he watched him over years, he was languishing because he was under the control of Satan. Now, I don't know about you, but that bothers my heart. That grits me this morning that he had a son who Satan had control of. Notice the description this man gives. And it's a very vivid description. He says his son had a dumb spirit. The demons controlled his vocal cords and his tongue so that he could not speak. Hey, watch this this morning. You know, some of our greatest difficulties, teenagers, is when you, when you think you've come of age as a teenager and you're 10, 11, 12, 13 years of age, and all of a sudden your friends are because you think your friends are cool and some of you are 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you think your friends are really cool. So all of a sudden you stop communicating with your moms and dads. Now I'm not going to say you're demon possessed, but I think you have a dumb spirit at that moment of time, amen? Where parents, where parents, parents and teens aren't talking with one another. Now, sometimes parents will come in, I don't know what to do with my teen. My first question is, do they talk with you? They say, no. Then I said, they got a dumb spirit, amen? You know, but, uh, but you know, when you think about things like that, this man, you know, his son literally is controlled by a demon and his and his son would not speak with him. He just couldn't get anything out of his son. And his son's tongue literally was all tied up by this demon. He had no communication. Let me say this morning, it's important that we have communication with our children always. And it needs to be two ways. Not mom and dad always asking every time, what are you doing today? And where are you going? And who are you going out with? It ought to be as out of honesty of our hearts as young people, we can come to mom and dad and say, hey, mom, I just want you to know this. This is a good day. And by the way, I hope you said happy Father's Day to your dads. Huh? Hope you said happy Father's Day to your dads. And just say, you know what? Uh, just mom and dad want to let you know today I'm going to be here and I'm going to be with so-and-so. And if you want to check anything, here's my cell phone so you can check it out. I mean, just be honest, children there. He said he had his son, had a dumb spirit. There's something else. He said that, th- this is terrible, verse 18. He said the spirit was tearing him. Hey, moms and dads, can I ask you a question? Do you know when your, mo- your children are in anguish? <coughs> Do you know if they're bothered? you know what's going on inside their heart? When's the last time you asked them about how's the Lord working your heart? What kind of decision are you, or did the Lord lead you to make? Or what are you struggling with? I mean, this spirit was tearing them up on the inside. Sometimes moms and dads, we could get so caught in what we're doing, we don't even recognize that there are things tearing up our kids on the inside. Hey, this son was foaming at the mouth and gnashing with, with his teeth. He wasn't himself. He wasn't, he, he was just controlling. You imagine just the, all these things that are happening with this boy. And the father loved his son very, very much. And all these things are going on with him. And then he says something else that just grits my heart. He said the son was pining away. Now, we don't use the word pining very much in, in our, our vocabulary, but in the Bible would use this quite a bit. And the word pining away means the son was wasting away. He hadn't been eating. He hadn't been sleeping. Uh, he was just, he looked like the look of death on him. I've been to homes and been with families where the child, the son or daughter has been so caught up with video games and, and they're just, they're so fixated on video games, morning and evening and so forth. They don't want to eat. They don't want to go to sleep. They're, they're just kind of living lives. They're pining away. And I, and this boy was pining away. And this man was burdened for his son because his son was in terrible trouble. And I'm thankful there was a father here that was concerned enough. He was looking for someone that could help him. I'm just saying this morning, the story starts off today. We see a father who's in distressed. But notice the second thing this morning. Not only do we see a father that's distressed, notice something else. This father laments to Jesus about the disabled followers. Now, this man is burdened. He had been talking to the disciples. He was the one who brought his son to the nine disciples. And you can imagine me, the nine that were left behind. Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with Jesus. That meant Andrew was left behind, and Nathaniel was left behind, and that means, uh, that means, uh, uh, Judas was left behind, and some of these guys were left behind there, and, and, uh, Judas the Lesser was there, and, and, and as this man brought his son to them, they'd been under the tutelage of Jesus, they trained with him, and, uh, these men were teachers, and these men had the gift, the ability to prophesy, and so forth like that, and 
this man brought, brings his son who's, 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 who's got this, this, affer- this infirmity. And he says, can you help my son? And there's nothing these nine men could do for him. Can you imagine? Nine of Jesus' closest disciples could do nothing for him. And so controversy erupts there because the scribes are coming out. And I can see the scribes uh, basically ridiculing these men and asking these men, hey, what's wrong with you? You've been around Jesus. And this man comes and he doesn't say it in a way to be critical of, of the disciples. But he says to them, he says to Jesus, look, I spake to thy disciples in verse 18. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. And notice this phrase. They could not. Now listen. I think it's reasonable to expect a man like that who has a difficult problem. Who comes to men who've been trained under the Lord Jesus Christ, who've spent time with him in his presence, who should know the, the word of God, who should know something about getting the power of God in life. I think it's reasonable for that man to expect, well, if I bring the, bring my son to some of Jesus' close disciples, I think it's reasonable to expect that they have some sense of power or ability to deal with my son, just like Jesus did. But the Bible says they could not. These men were disabled spiritually in their ability. They had no power. They had no capability. They had no ability to see anything. They prayed, and somehow God was not answering their prayers. These men were at, these men were at a limitation where they couldn't do something. Listen this morning. People expect real Christians to be able to pray. People expect real Christians to be faithful to God. People expect real Christians to have the power of God in their life. I think it's reasonable if you believe God is alive and you believe God's alive this morning. That God answers prayer. I think it's reasonable to believe that God can change the unchangeable. I think it's reasonable to believe that if we're spending time with God, that God wants to work through us. We were given the promise in John 15, verses 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. This man came to these disciples and they were disabled followers. They had no capability of helping this man. They were disabled. They were inadequate. They were spiritually impotent. Years ago, you know, on every New Year's Day down in Pasadena, they have the Rose Bowl. They have they play the Rose Bowl there, and and they have the Rose Bowl parade, which is one of the big parades of our nation there. And they have these beautiful floats that go down there, and corporate vendors will pay big money to have a, a, a flotation device out there, and so forth like that. And lots of displays, and people by the millions crowd crowd the streets of Pasadena to to watch the Rose Bowl parade. And on this particular day, there was a flotation device that was out there, very beautifully decorated and arrayed, as it was making its way down the street there. It barely gone down half a mile and it started to sputter and you could hear the sputtering you know kind of like a, a vehicle that, that's just having some some problems there and it was sputtering and it just stopped there and uh, and it wasn't moving and it held up the rest of the parade behind it and so they called some mechanics and people and they looked under the flotation device they thought well maybe it's a battery problem it wasn't a battery problem they're looking at everything there and finally they found out that it wasn't the mechanical failure the sputtering and the this the cessation of this float from going moving further was because of the fact that it ran out of gas well, somebody told them, they say, hey, somebody needs to get some gas here. We can get a couple canisters of gas, a couple gallons. We can pour it in and we can get the flotation device to continue going. Someone went to get the gas. They put the gas inside the flotation device and started going again. Now, here, here's the thing that's so, so ironic about that. The sponsor of the flotation device was Standard Oil of Indiana, of all groups of people. And sometimes we're like that, too, in our Christian life, that we don't realize that sometimes we who have access to the word of God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we're encouraged to live a spirit filled life with the power of God in our life. Sometimes we are not as close to God as we can and we're powerless. We have no inability of getting hold of God. Our prayers are not being answered. We're praying less and less instead of more and more. We lack the power of God. It might be perchance this morning that some of us are like these disciples. We're disabled followers there. But notice something else. We see a man who's a distressed father. We see followers who are disabled. But notice we see a dependent faith. Our story goes back to the father. The father comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I need your help. By the way, I think that's a good thing this morning. If you're a dad, your father, your husband, whoever you may be this morning, if you really sense this morning you need God's help, come to God this morning. Amen. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just be honest with the Lord. Say, God, I need your help today. By the way, your education may not help you. And by the way, your experience may not help you. And by the way, your money might not help you. Praise God, Jesus will help you. Amen. And so Jesus was there for this man. And he came to this man. He said, I went to your disciples and they could not help me. And notice in verses 20 to 27. 
We see a man who's dependent. I believe this man, he was very independent before all this happened. I believe this man progressively watched as his son continued to get worse and worse and worse. He went from being having a dumb spirit to watch his spirit tear him up. And he goes on further, as we'll see in a minute, to describe some things about his son. This man had a faith that would be dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice what it took to get this man to that level. Notice as we see verses 17 to 18, he describes his son's condition, but we go down a little bit further and notice in verses 20 to 22, we see he describes his son as a, as a satanic captive. His son is, is a captive of Satan. His son is under satanic bondage, demonic bondage. And listen, this morning, as we read this today, may God give us wisdom to see the signs that may be happening in our homes that may be leading our children to becoming satanic captives. It is possible for you and your wife to be saved and living in a home and you may not have the influence you need on your children and Satan can take your children bondage. I'm saying this morning, may God stir us up with enough fear and concern and apprehension that we will vigilantly guard our families and watch over our sons and our daughters as this man did. His son was a satanic captive. Notice how he further describes the situation with the son in verse 20. And they brought him unto him. Now notice this. The father's situation with his son. The son was so out of control. It took more than one man to control his son. In fact, while this man is talking to Jesus, there are probably a minimum of two men holding his son. And the Bible says in verse 20, And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. In other words, the spirit, there was turmoil going inside this boy. He was rocking back and forth. He was gyrating back and forth. He wasn't his normal self. The spirit was inside him. He was in anguish. He was in turmoil. Especially when the demons saw the holiness of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit tell him, tear him, the Bible says in verse 20. And he fell on the ground and he wallowed foamy. Can you imagine such a pitiful sight? Can you imagine such a horrible sight? The son is literally on the floor and he's rolling around. He's foaming at the mouth. He's not himself. And I just can imagine his father that he's breaking down and tears are coming down his eyes and he's crying. And he's not crying because he's embarrassed. He's crying because he can't stand the sight of watching his son suffer, of watching his son be in this, this condition. And the verse 21, Jesus looks at this man and he says, how long is ago that this, since this came unto him. Would you notice this man as all this is happening? The Bible is telling us this man's son was in terrible trouble. The demons were dominating him. The demons were defiling him. The demons had disabled him. The demons had were becoming destructive. And so this man is just helpless. There's nothing to do. The men who were holding his son, they couldn't even hold his son because he has such strength and he falls to the ground because of demonic control. And Jesus adds a very important question. He said, sir, how long has it been since your son has been like this? Now, Jesus knew, but he wanted this man to acknowledge to him what was going on. And the man said with tears coming down his eyes, he said, since he was a child in verse 21, since he was a child. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, the moment your child is born, Satan targets your children. The moment your children start to learn things, he's targeting your children. He's targeting them through different means to target their mind. Satan's entry point by which he attacks your children and you is through our eyes, through our ears, and through the impressions made by other people. Children are easily influenced. Children are attacked in many ways. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're fooling on with demonic things like Ouija boards and satanic things, Throw those away or give them to me and I'll burn it for you. Amen. If you're fooling around with the wrong kind of music, you're dealing with rap music, which has words of violence and rock music, or you think it's okay for your kids to be around a, a substance, a substances that can be very abusive and controlling, I'm going to tell you this morning, those things can enter in and be a controlling substance in your kids. I want to tell you this morning, there are no innocent TV programs. You cannot turn on the television without taking a moment to describe to your sons and daughters, whether it's a commercial or every program, the problems of this age, the secular age, and the influence Satan is using through that. There are no innocent internet programs. The New Age movement has permeated the, the, the internet. The, and a number of other things that I could go on to. I'm saying this morning, Satan's agenda is to get after your, to go after your child. There are no innocent video and computer games. I want to challenge every mother and father here this morning. You need to go into the archives of whatever your children have, whatever games you're playing with, whoever they're associating with, and if there's cursing and they're swearing and they're addicted to that, listen, you could do your child a good service by throwing away this morning. 
I mean, I'm telling you this morning, I've done enough and I'm just dealing with some. Listen, the greatest thing happened this morning, as early as 10 years of age, children are now developing suicidal tendencies. Children are talking about being in depression. They don't want to live anymore. We've heard this verbally from the mouths of children. We have children that are withdrawing from, from their families, children withdrawing from their parental control. I'm saying this morning, Satan is working overtime after your children, my children, your grandchildren, my future grandchildren, your future grandchildren. I'm saying this morning, Satan is after your child. And I'm going to tell you this morning, he might put an apple in front of you that looks very tantalizing, but all of Satan's apples have worms inside of them. And I'm going to remind you this morning, Satan is much smarter than you and me, and Satan is after your children to target them. He wants to put enmity between you and your children, and enmity between you and the church, and enmity between your children and the church. I'm saying this morning, these, this son was a satanic captive. Listen, Satan uses corrupting friends, he's using teachers and curriculum the public school system to adversely influence your children. He's using the philosophy of this age and laws that are being passed and thus a leniency towards things and a violent agenda to go after your children. My, hey, this morning as moms and dads, we need to wake up. And we need to awaken ourselves to righteousness because the time is coming. If we don't take charge of our children, Satan's working overtime to take charge of our children. This morning, my question for you, what's controlling your children today? What control does Satan have on your son and your daughter today? We see a satanic captive, but notice something else. Jesus was not there to rebuke the man, and Jesus was not there to condemn the man, and Jesus was not there to criticize man. Jesus was there to help the man. Amen? Jesus was there to come alongside a hurting father, a father who is in distress, a father saying, I don't know what to do with my son. I don't know what to do with him. He's, a, he's, he's entering the teenage. I can't stand the sight of my son continue like this. I don't want my son to have, and my daughter to have suicidal thoughts and depressive thoughts. I don't want them hurting like this. I don't want to be under the control of Satan. And so Jesus asked that question to see where that man was at. And notice we see the Savior's challenge. In verse 23, he says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Look at it, look at that again very quickly. If thou canst believe. Now, Jesus is taking the focus off the disabled followers and he's putting it back on this father. He says, Sir, now you've come to me and you're asking me for help. My question for you is, can you believe? Do you have faith? And Jesus says he's standing before that man as the, as if you would, the representation of the deity of who he is as God. As being all powerful, all knowing, able to be anywhere at any time. The creators of the heavens and earth, the one who's eternal, the one who's infinite, the one who would give his life for the sins of all the world and three days later would rise again from the dead. The one who can never be conquered, but it's always the conqueror. The God who's only wise. He stood before this man. He said, if thou canst believe, he says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. He was challenging this man. Can you believe? Do you have faith that I am able to help you? Hey, this morning, that's a good question to ask on Father's Day or any day. If thou wouldst believe, can you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is able? Do you believe that God can help you? If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Will you have faith in God? Will you have faith in God's person? Will you have faith in God's power? Ladies and gentlemen and brothers and sisters in Christ, herein lies the crippling problem in our midst. We, it comes down to this, do you believe? Do you have faith to believe? God is more than able today. And I'm going to tell you this morning, as we look at the Savior's challenge, I'm so thankful we go from a father who sees a satanic captive and he gets the Savior's challenge. But I'm thankful as we get down to the next verse, we see a simple confidence. This man with a broken heart, this man who's at the end of himself, this man who knows there are no answers from this world, that education could not help him, and medicine could not help him, and the government could not help him, and the synagogue of the Jews could not help him. This man, he looked at him and he said, the Bible says, this man was face to face with Jesus. And straightway the father of the child, he cried out. Now watch your man the father. He's in great turmoil. He's in burden. He cries out. He says this to Jesus. The Bible says, with tears in his eyes. And tears coming down his face. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. This man had a very simple confidence. I'm going to tell you this morning, brother and sister in Christ, and ladies and gentlemen, and friends here today, the Christian life is not a difficult life. And the Christian life boils down to two simple words. I believe. I 
believe that you're God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that your word is the absolute word of God. It is God breathed and unchangeable. I believe that you're your creator of the heavens and the earth. I believe that you're all powerful. I don't believe that you just were God on the day of creation. I believe you were God before creation. I believe you're God today. I believe that you're God who's alive and all powerful. I believe that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I tell you this morning, this man moved from being a place where he had no faith to now he said, Lord, I've got, I, I need your help. He said, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. My question for you this morning, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is powerful? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that Jesus can take control of your situation? Do you think, do you believe Jesus is greater than Satan? I remind you this morning, the Bible says, you are of God, little children, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I'm going to tell you this morning, whatever you think about yourself, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even your faith. Oh, I say this morning, men here today, rise up and be men of faith. And I say to ladies today that are in this church, rise up and be ladies of faith. And I say to you teenagers and college students today, why don't you rise up and be young men and young ladies of faith? And I say this morning, whether you're a retiree or wherever you may be in life, let's rise up this morning and be men and women of faith for the glory of God today. I'm saying this morning, we've got this, this situation. We just assume, well... That's the way it's going to be. And my son's going to stay that way. And my daughter's going to stay that way. And the doctor says they need to be on Zoloft. And they need to be on Xanax. And they need to be on Prozac. I'll put them on the... Let me tell you this morning. Get them off of Prozac. Get them off of Zoloft. Get them off of Xanax. Get them on Jesus Christ this morning. I'm saying this morning. Let's, let's take control of our homes, Dad. And take control of our children. And not let Satan take them captive. And may I say this morning. If you're a youth worker here today. And a Sunday school teacher today. Come alongside of your preacher this morning. And let's say today. We're taking control of these kids. We're not going to accept that society and education and the world is going to take control of our kids. God is going to have control of our kids this morning. Happy Father's Day. I believe there's nothing you can do, Lord. I believe you're all powerful, Lord. Do you believe? This man with tears coming out of his eyes, and there should be a whole bunch of men feeling like that this morning. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Unbelief is a crippling agent that hinders our praying. It's a crippling disease that keeps the church from going forward. It's the impediment that keeps a family from enjoying the blessings of God. This man had simple confidence. He had a dependent faith. Will you believe? I'm glad to tell you as we see this man who was a distressed father, who lamented about the disabled followers who came with a dependent faith. Would you notice number four very quickly? Would you notice the dramatic freedom? Aren't you glad God loves you this morning? Amen? Are you glad God loves you this morning? Aren't you happy this morning? He pities us as a father should pity his children. Notice verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he didn't rebuke the father. He didn't rebuke the son. You know who he rebuked? The foul spirit. He rebuked Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore. And it came out of him. He was as one dead. And so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. And lifted him up. He rose. Now you read that with me this morning. This boy. Experienced a dramatic freedom. Psychology didn't set him free. The doctors didn't set him free. The New Age movement, by the way, religion didn't set him free. Jesus set him free, man. Jesus spoke with authority. By the way, there's only one authority God's left on planet Earth, and that's His Word. 
He gave him his word and he spoke with authority to that man's son. He looked at that demon and he said, come out of him. He said, not only should you come out of him, he said, thou dumb and deaf spirit. He said, enter no more into him. And only Jesus Christ has the authority to say such a thing. Listen, if our children are going to get victory, if our children are going to have victory in Christ and have hearts sold out, they've got to be under the authority of Jesus Christ. And I'm speaking to young people today. You may have one area or two areas or three areas or four areas of your life or some areas of your life. You've not given Jesus Christ authority of. I'm going to tell you this morning, the greatest fathers they give and mothers they give, you can give to your, your fathers and mothers today, is to give Jesus Christ total control of your life today. The devil wasn't happy. The devil never, when you enter into the arena with the devil, he never fights with you without doing his best to defeat you. The devil wasn't happy. He rent this boy. He jerked this boy right and left. He knocked him against the ropes and knocked him against the rest of the world. He gave him a right cross. He gave him a left upper hook. He kept on pound pummeling that boy and he threw the boy on the ground. And everybody looked around him and said, oh, I guess Jesus didn't work. I guess he's dead. Hey, listen, just let Jesus do his work. Amen. And Jesus does what he does very well when he gives dramatic freedom. He just puts his hand out. He picks him up. Hey, would you let Jesus lift up, extend his hand? Would you take him by the hand today? Do you take Jesus by the hand and say, Jesus, I need to get saved today? Take Jesus by the hand and say, Christ, I need you today as my Savior. God, Jesus, I need you in my home. And Jesus, there's some things I need to throw out of my home. And I need you to be in control of my home. And I need you to be in control of my marriage. Just as he, by the way, he's got his hand extended right now. It's just a matter of not whether we have faith to take him by the hand. This boy took him by the hand and he got dramatic freedom. That's a great story. It's one of those stories where all's well that ends well. But it's better than that. We see this dramatic freedom. The son is restored. He's like he should be. The father embraces him. The father now has, goes from tears of sorrow to tears of happiness and gladness. The father and son are united. The father is overtly joy, joyful in what Jesus has done. But we're not done as we close this morning. There's one other thing today. While this is going on, Jesus has nine men that he's trained. They're watching this. And they're feeling this sense of, what's wrong with us? How come we couldn't do anything? How, how come, how come this, what's going on here? And as we look at this, as we close this morning, would you notice verse 28? The, the good news is the boy took Jesus by the hand and he rose and went to his father. And now they, they, they just kind of disperse the crowd and it's training time. They're having a staff meeting time, amen? And they went into the house and the disciples, the first question they asked in verse 20, 28 was, why could not we cast him out? And I think they said that with a sense of just concern inside them. They said, Lord, why is it we couldn't do it? Now, you listen to me if you're a member of this church and I'm done. And Jesus goes from giving a dramatic freedom as we close them. Notice a decisive factor. Why is it that we could not do it? Moms and dads, why is it my children don't listen to me? Why is it I'm having this trouble? Why is it that we have rebellion? Why is it there's a substance abuse problem? Why is it that I'm not in control? They say, why is it? Why is it I can't get it done? Why is it that I give the gospel and nobody's getting saved? Why is it been, it's been so long since I've had my prayers answered? Because bear in mind, the whole essence of what we're talking about is how God answers prayer. And notice the decisive factor in verse 29. Jesus simply told them without a long dissertation, this kind, this kind of problem, this kind of son, this kind of spiritual situation, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. As we close this morning, you know the decisive factor for taking back our homes, getting answers to prayer, going forward as a church, Getting the blessing of God. Having obedient children. Having a marriage that glorifies God. Jesus said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. Now, I'm not going to get into fasting this morning. That's another message. But he's saying this. Are you praying? And are you praying with such an intensity that you're telling God, whatever it takes 
Whatever it costs, I'm going to do it. I'm willing to give this up so this can happen. I'm willing to give up a meal. I'm willing to give up a day's meal. I'm willing, I'm, whatever, maybe I'm going to put on the altar. This kind comes not forth by prayer and by fasting. Fasting basically is a withdrawal from things that you normally would, would give your attention to and you're focusing your attention on one thing and you're praying through that matter. And I'm going to tell you this morning, you say, well, that's for the New Testament. That was Bible time. Hey, I want to tell you something this morning. We're living in Bible times now. The Bible is Bible times. It's still good for today, man. We're still in Bible times now. Bible times wasn't 2,000 years. We're in Bible times right now. Jesus is still saving souls. The church is still in existence. I'm saying this morning, listen, we're in Bible times now, but we need a, we need some men and women of Christ who could just say today, I'm going to go back the old-fashioned way of prayer and fasting and watching what God is able to do. And so this man, he gets his son back. And the disciples are told the secret to serving Christ. You know, this morning we're seeing in this passage how prayer and fasting, God uses it to move the hand of God. This father gave his situation to God. I'm one of their fathers this morning. You've got some big situation. You need to give to God. We you give your least difficult, most difficult situation to God? This man got his son back. That's a happy Father's Day. But I wonder if I'm talking to some moms and dads this morning. Your greatest desire is to get your son and daughter the right frame of mind and loving God and loving the Lord. I wonder this morning, am I talking to someone who needs help from Jesus Christ, just like this father? You're in distress. Disease, sickness, financial trouble, marital trouble. Are you humble enough to come like this man in public? Lord, I believe. Help them, my unbelief. And one of this morning, their families today, you're not dysfunctional, but you're not all together on the same page. And we look good to everybody else in church, but God knows what's in here. And I wonder if we need to make an appearance like this father did to the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us. Help us. This man came with simple confidence. Lord, I believe. Help them, I believe. And I wonder this morning, and I know there are, there's someone here today. You were born in this world as a child of Satan. You're under the bondage of sin. And sin will send you to hell. The sentence of condemnation is already upon you. But God loves you. On this Father's Day, our Heavenly Father loves you so much, He sent His Son Jesus to die for your sins. He offers you the wonderful, free gift of eternal life. I'm talking to some men today and some ladies today. You need to get saved. You need to make today the best Father's Day for your Father, your Heavenly Father Day, in getting saved. And I can't think of a better day to put on your biblical record somewhere. Today, on Father's Day 2018, June 18th, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. How about we stop holding out on Christ and just saying, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And today, as Christians, we're struggling with disobedience to the Lord. Some areas that we're just, you know, His authority is not present. Could it be today God speaking to you through this passage to let Him have authority in all things, just as this man did? And say, Lord, just say like this man did. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I'm going to invite you to more this morning to come to Christ. I invite you this morning to ask Jesus to save you from your sins. I'm asking you today to receive the gift of eternal life. I'm asking you today to rise up as men and fathers. And there ought to be a good number of fathers today that just say, I want to be the father God wants me to be. That say, God, help me today. And that, that's just re- really, we boil down the simplicity of our need. Help us, Lord. Just to say, Lord, help us. And that's all we have to say is just, Lord, help us today. And maybe I'm talking to some young people. Your dads are struggling and your dad may not be a Christian. Maybe your greatest desire today is to pray that God would waken your dad and work your dad's heart. And I'm wondering if there's some sons and daughters here today. Your mother and father are saved. Your parents are saved, but you're not saved. And man, you could give the greatest Father's Day gift to your dad by coming to Jesus Christ, your Savior. In a moment, we give an invitation. We invite you to accept Christ. We invite you to come to the Lord. We invite you to give him authority in your life. And as I give the invitation... Don't hold out on God. Be like this father who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, Father, this morning, 
We have such a wonderful gathering of people in church today. Mothers and fathers, uncles and aunts, grandfathers and grandmothers, and great-grandfathers, great-grandmothers, new parents, fathers with sons, fathers with daughters. Now, Lord, we come to a critical point of our service just like this man did. Where, God, we need you to work. Lord, just a moment, I'm giving an invitation for people to come to Christ. Men to submit to the authority of Christ for their marriages and their children. God, deliver us from being indifferent, apathetic, hardened, and non-transparent. And not to harden our hearts on this day of worship, but come with hearts asking God to do something. Heads bowed, nobody looking. Is there someone here today that would say, Pastor Fong, I'm not saved. But I know I need to get saved. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. I want God's gift of eternal life. Let me lead you in a prayer this morning. If, you, if you're like that today, right where you're seated, you can pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I confess today, I am a sinner who needs to be saved. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I take Jesus right now by faith to be my Savior. Is there someone here today, are there people here today by the raising of your right hand that would say, Pastor Fong, I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Jesus to be my Savior. I want to be sure I'm going to have my prayer. God bless you. Who else prayed that prayer this morning? Someone raised their hand. Who else would raise their hand and say, I prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to save me this morning. Who else today? I prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to save me from my sins. Who else today? I've asked Christ to save me. Who here today would say, I need to get saved, but I, but I need someone to help me understand it a little bit more. Someone else today would raise their hand like someone just did. I need to get saved today. Pray for me. Pray for me. I need to get saved today. Who else this morning? How many would say this morning, I feel like that father. I have some distress in my life. I have some burdens today. I need God to help me. Pastor, would you pray for me today? My prayer where I'm seated today is I need God's help. Would you pray for me? Pray for my children. Pray for my family. Pray for my marriage. Pray for me. You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me this morning. Who'd raise your hand with me and say, I've got my hand raised. God bless you. Who else would say, pray for me? I know I've got issues. I've got issues. I need the Lord to work. God bless you. Who else today? Pray for me today. I'm going to give an invitation. If you need to get saved this morning, come forward today and ask Christ to save you. Look at one of the altar workers and I say, I need help. And they'll pray with you. Listen today, you as a father, as a mother, whoever you are, you come this morning. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. He's not ashamed of you. You come this morning with boldness and with your wife and with your children and say, Lord, we need your help. Lord, would you help us? Help us. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Father, have your way. May your authority be present in our lives. Save souls this morning. Help us today to be in conformity to who you are, to submit to your authority. Help us in our areas, our moments of difficulty now. We commit these things to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Please stand. Your heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll just play through it this morning. But you need to come today. You have a need. Can we help you with something this morning? Come this morning. Would you come today? Don't be afraid. Come this morning. Dad, you, you, need, you need to come be transferred to the Lord. Take somebody by the hand and just say, would you come with me? I need, need someone to pray with me. Ask someone to pray with you this morning. Would you come? Moms? Children, young people, you got parents that need to get saved. You got a dad that's not saved. Would you come? You, you're here today. Maybe your dad's here. Your mom's here. You're not saved. But you accept Christ today. Come this morning. Come. Get under the authority of Jesus Christ. You come this morning. Come. Come this morning. I surrender all. That's what that father did. He surrendered all. Come this morning. We'll play another stanza. You come this morning. We're going to leave the invitation to Would you come this morning? You need Christ today. Come today. Don't play with God. What if this is your last service to come this morning? Come today. You need to get saved. We're here to show you that God loves you. And I want you to understand, He takes you just as you are. We've got so many burdens and distress. Let's give it to the Lord. Let's let God have control this morning. That's what this Father did. Would you do that today? Father, thank you for being our Heavenly Father who loves us and is concerned for us and cares for us. Would you help as you've worked through the congregation this morning? to just cause us to just give all of our cares and concerns to you today. Father, as we go out, we are encouraged by this Father's example. He came transparently, just said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Father, you help our unbelief today. Help us in our area of weakness, our distress, our difficulty. Father, thank you. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. May you lift burdens. 
May you give solutions. May you give answers that the word of God provides us. Dismiss us this morning in just a moment with your blessing. May you continue to bless through the day, even as we continue to the evening service later today. We pray for this Lord of you in Jesus' name.